these three months of practices have been exceptionally intimate, powerful, and overwhelming in a good sense for me. The Lord has revealed himself to me in a way that I did not expect. What I mean by this is that I have felt an intimacy with our Lord that I have not experienced since the time around when I was saved. Every movement reminded me of the fact that I live in this world, but I am not of this world anymore. This was a truth and a reality that God revealed to me when I was saved, but also now when we entered into communion. Welcome to the Follow-Up Podcast. A place for conversations and ideas on how we follow Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. Follow is a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus. And you can find out more about resources, events, and how to get involved by visiting www.wearefollower.com or finding us on your social media platform of choice. We hope you enjoyed this episode with your host, Matthew Lewis. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Hope that you enjoyed last week and that it gave you a lot to think about and encouraged you in your practice of communion. If you don't know, we're in uh, the second episode of a three-part episode where we are revisiting our communion focus, which was a three-month journey that we did through the practice or the devotion that we see in the early church, Acts chapter 242, uh, the breaking of the bread, communion, Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, all of these rooted in the same idea. And uh, we looking at communion from the three angles of encounter, remembrance, and expectation. Uh, last week, we looked at a very high 30,000-foot overview of, of really encountering Jesus at the table. And uh, there's a complementary practice that goes with that, where you, you go through the story of the, the road to Emmaus and how uh, people's eyes were opened to see Jesus in the breaking of the bread. So if you wanted to find that practice, you could go to uh, www.wearefollower.com and you'd find the practice there under the communion focus. Uh, this week, we are looking at communion from the angle of remembrance. And our friend Lango Mbanambi from We Will Worship he leads us through the Exodus narrative and, how, and Passover and how communion is linked into that tradition and what it means for us to be people of remembrance as we're invited into the story of Jesus. And so I hope that this talk is helpful for you. It certainly was for me. Greetings to everyone. Uh, it's really cool to be invited to, to chat and to share uh, on this, probably one of my favorite subjects so i'm trying to change my screen so i could see there we go um yeah this is definitely one of the becoming one of my favorite subjects to talk about and so the challenge with it is just figuring out what to say and what not to say because there's just so much to say about it um and uh, this is a, a really cool journey that you guys are on uh i i so appreciate matt i've said this to him he's one of the he's incredible with words uh and and what i appreciate about his his kind of ministry journey is that you know it's all about following jesus 
and uh, and we can do so much in life get busy with so much uh, I, I grew up in a in a in a space where it's just like plant churches plant churches and then i you know i got to a point where i realized that you know jesus never said we must plant churches but we must make disciples and that uh, it, it's all about learning to be better apprentices of jesus and followers of jesus so i even just love you know the follower and all that he's doing with with the follower and uh yeah anyway i can i can go on about about him because he's my friend he's my boy <laughs> uh, anyway um yeah with with regards to this topic as i said i think there's just so much that can be said said about it about you know passover uh, uh communion and uh, but the one thing I think that was just on my heart for for tonight is is the theme of remembrance, because uh, I think that that is kind of at, at the heart of it. And uh, in in Luke twenty two nineteen, you know, Jesus says that we must do this in remembrance of of Him. And uh, and often I think when we think of the remembrance of Him, it's just uh, holding up the the communion elements. But it's it's more than that. It's it's not only the communion elements. It's how it was actually also done. It was the community that was around the table. Uh, it 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 was everything surrounding that moment that we're called to do in remembrance of Him, uh, which is so much more than just a a cup of wine and a wafer. But it was more about a lifestyle. That we're called to do in, in celebration and in remembrance of Him, and uh, and Him being our Passover Lamb, and so when I was reflecting on Passover, uh, is, is that a key part of Passover is the aspect of remembrance, and and the Lord speaks about this when He institutes the Passover is that it was something that was to be remembered uh, over generations until it until we actually got to the place where. Where Jesus showed up on the scene, but a, a big part is remembrance. In that, as humans, I've, I realize, man, we forget. We forget so quickly, and uh, and in and in knowing that, you know, even just reflecting on my own, you know, personal journey with Jesus, uh, maybe you know, trusting Jesus for something. Uh, maybe there's a need, and you pray, and you wait, and you 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 trust in God, and God pulls through. Right, and then the same need comes up a month later, and then all of a sudden you're freaking out, and you're like, "God, where are you?" And uh, and it's like, but it's the same God that uh, that came through for you a couple of days before, but now that another challenge comes up, all of a sudden your faith has waned, and uh, and 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 it, it just I just always get the sense that you know with these fragile beings. Uh, and we are temperamental, and it's and it's often because we tend to forget. We tend to forget who God is. We f- tend to forget what God has done, and uh, and so the Lord institutes these things, and He puts these things in place to cause, to to teach and train our hearts to always be remembering uh, who He is and what He has done, and so Passover is a key part of that. And and what he what he instituted, especially for for Israel, as they were being trained uh, to to worship him. Uh, anyway, so so the whole story, I mean, it 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 uh, where Passover was officially instituted was in is in Exodus, 
And you have the statement, I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing most of us know the, the history of Israel uh, in that they were, uh, they came in as Jacob's family into Egypt. And uh, after 430 years, uh, a bulk of those 40, 430 years, they were in slavery. And uh, the time came as they cried out to the Lord. And uh, the Lord came then and he, he began to, to unfold his plan for them. And so in Exodus 6, you have God coming in and remembering his promise, uh, his promise over Israel. And there he begins to give these uh, four statements, which are, are known as the, the, the four statements of Exodus, which is a key part of uh, Israel's history now today. So God comes in, he comes to them, they've cried out to him. And he says that in Exodus 6, he speaks over them. He says that I will call you out. I will rescue you. I will redeem you and I will make you my people and uh, I will be your God. And so you have these four statements that I will call you out. I will rescue you. I will redeem you and I will make you my people. And the important thing to, to recognize in these statements is that God was calling Israel out so that they can worship him. And so redemption, as I've studied the scriptures, always ends in worship, in a full expression of worship. And so even when, when God calls Moses to go speak to Pharaoh, he says to, to Moses, go tell, uh, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go so that they can worship. Or in some translations, they would say so that they can serve. And so redemption always ends or deliverance always ends in worship. That's always what, what, what kind of the final state, state is, is so that we could fully uh, worship God with everything that we have and with everything that, and, uh, with everything that we are. And so God comes and speaks these four statements. And then he begins to roll out the plagues. And uh, when it comes to the 10th and the final plague, he, he, he then starts to speak to say that he's going to rain judgment. Sorry, let me just flip to the text. I forgot my, my actual Bible at home, so I'm using a cell phone, which I'm not a fan of, but hey, maybe I'm just old school like that. And... Uh, <laughs> And he begins to, to, to speak about the Passover. Uh, and that's fine. Exodus, I'll read from Exodus 12. And says this, the, the, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. So in actual fact, in one of the calendars of Israel, even today, the Jewish calendar, it begins with the Passover. That, that's where the year begins, which is quite significant that they would begin with this significant moment and that every year they'd come back to beginning their year with this significant moment. Uh, then it reads, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house and a lamb for a, a, a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat. You shall make your count for the lamb. This is, this is such a significant, you know, when I was reflecting on this, is that you're to take a lamb 
and look at your family, whether or not you guys would actually finish the lamb together. Or if not, then you need to gang up together with other people. And uh, it, it just speaks of community for me. It's like knowing where the families are. Can you imagine people saying, okay, numbering each other and gathering together with other people and coming together? So, so it's, not, it, it's not supposed to be this just me and Jesus thing, but it's definitely from the onset, it was supposed to be a community affair, a community meal uh, where we're aware of the people around us and their standing and their family, uh, where they are, and gathering together to celebrate this feast together. Uh, and then it speaks, your lamb shall be without blemish, uh, a male a year old. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at, at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and, and put it on the two doorposts and the, and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner part. And you shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until morning shall burn. In this manner, you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So he gives like specific instructions on what they need to, to have, the different elements, so that to take a lamb, they need to roast it over the fire. It's a very specific instruction, not to boil it, not to eat it raw, uh, and then they're also to uh, take the blood of the lamb and smear it on the doorposts of, of their homes. And then they're also to, to eat it with unleavened bread, uh, as well as with herbs. Uh, a significant thing to, to note here is that it's only in Passover that unleavened bread is, is eaten. which is And so whenever you actually see unleavened bread being mentioned in Scripture, it's making reference to to Passover, uh, to the Passover meal, or the actual feast of Passover, uh, and then also with uh, then it's also was also to be eaten with uh, bitter herbs. And then in verse twelve, he says, "For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord." The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you before you or to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day and shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day, you shall remove the leaven of, from your houses, for which if anyone eats of uh, what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Okay, I'll, I'll pause there. So, so the Lord says, you know, that he's going he's gonna to pass over. But where he sees the blood, he will pass over. This is the Lord's, this is the Lord's uh, um, Passover. And so, so, you know, we, we, we celebrated something that we celebrate with our community. And, and so one of the things we actually raised was that 
someone asked was that if if the Egyptians also kept the Passover, would were they also exempt from the judgment? And uh, and and we came to the conclusion that it was simple. If they did, it meant that they put their trust in the God of Israel, and that they would have they would have death would have also been uh, would have also passed over. And also conversely, if the Israelites didn't smear the blood, would death have come into the home? And the, and the answer is yes, because God gave them the specific instruction that if he saw the blood, then, then death would pass over. And so it just speaks to, to one is, is just trusting in God and trusting in God's ways. And then also just simple obedience, simple obedience for for us to be people that follow God's instruction to the T. When God speaks, we need to obey and do as he instructs us to do. Um, and so they couldn't kind of rest on, on the heritage in being Israelites and saying, oh, okay, you know, um, if, if I'm an Israelite, then, you know, what's going to happen to the Egyptians? It's, you know, I'm going to be exempted from that. But just simply that, hey, let us follow God's instruction to the T. And I think that's so, so significant for us as we follow Jesus is to follow, to obey, to obey, to walk in obedience and trust God um, as, as He speaks and He instructs us. Um, and so the different elements that, that are in the meal are there's the lamb. And again, the lamb was, was supposed to be whole. They weren't to chop it up or break its bones. It was supposed to be eaten whole and roasted over the fire. And then the other element is the unleavened bread. Uh, leaven represents sin. Uh, part of it being unleavened bread was so that they could uh, leave in haste, so they wouldn't wait for the bread to rise. But significantly, leaven represents sin or decay. And uh, it was significant that they were to have unleavened bread for this particular meal. And then uh, later on, and then the other element that was added was, uh, was herbs. And then later on in Exodus, it explains why these elements were to be in the meal. Uh, and so the unleavened bread, again, as I said, was represents sin, but it was also represented affliction. It's also known as the bread of affliction. It was supposed to remind them of their affliction under their slave masters in, in, uh, in Egypt. And then the bitter herbs was also there to remind them of uh, the bitterness of slavery that they experienced. Remember, the Passover was something that was supposed to be celebrated every year at the beginning of the year and so these elements were there there to serve as reminders to them of what they were coming out of uh, unless they would forget where they were coming fr from or what they were coming out of and again it, that's why you know this theme of remembrance is so central to the to to the passover and so as we know uh, God then came and delivered them, and they left uh, at, uh, at, at twilight after eating the meal. 
what what I love about this meal is that whilst they were in their homes covered by the blood of the lamb, death was reigning over Egypt. And so in the Egyptian household, where there was no blood on the doorpost, there was death, sadness, weeping, and mourning that was happening. But yet in the home of the Israelites, or everyone that had the blood smeared on the doorpost, there was celebration and feasting. And it's like this contrast of these two worlds happening simultaneously. And so even as we, whenever we partake of this Passover, is to fully embrace the celebration uh, that we get to experience in the Lord. And sometimes I think, you know, as believers, we, we withhold the joy that we have in the Lord uh, all for the sake of not trying to seem like we have it better than those that don't know the Lord. Sometimes we're afraid to, to speak the promises of God or the standing that we have in the Lord or because we don't want to offend those that, that don't know the Lord. But the truth is, we do get to celebrate. And our celebration is in complete contrast to what other people uh, get to experience. But we, it doesn't mean we need to hold back. Uh, it, it doesn't mean we need to dumb, dumb it or dull it down. Uh, it, it is the truth. It is what it is. And, uh, and, and that's why our desire is to call people to proclaim the good news so that people can also experience what we get to experience. Um, but yeah, and again, I guess it's, it's this operating, you know, these contrasting kingdoms. Uh, so we're in this kingdom where there's life and, uh, you know, and others are in this kingdom where there's, where there's death. Uh, but let's let's fully express and enjoy the life that we have, uh, whilst you know trusting God for people to be translated out of this kingdom. And so we know then that they they were then released. Very interesting thing to to note is that the judgment came on the firstborns of of uh, of the Egyptians. And so as they left, there are two elements to note: is that they had smeared the blood on the, the doorposts of their home. And as they left, they left as Israel. That was the first time Israel actually became a nation because they entered Egypt as the family of Jacob. Even though Jacob was named Israel, they were known only as Hebrews, not as Israelites. But when they left uh, Egypt, it was when they were actually known as Israelites because it was through there that there was the birth of a, the nation of Israel. And, uh, and, and the, the, the final kind of uh, part to the birth, actual fact, when, when you study the word Pesach, you know, for, for Passover, it actually, the different words that they put together, it's, it's the only time that word is used kind of, or, or it's, you know, they say it's a made up word specifically for that kind of event. And uh, so the significant thing where the, the birth was fully realized was when they got to the sea and they crossed over the sea. That was when it was official that they became the firstborn of, of the Lord, right? As God speaks of Israel and say Israel is his firstborn. And, um, 
and so those as, as someone that has uh, five children and has many uh, has witnessed five births uh, two significant flows happen in birth is that there is blood and there is water and so that was the significance of them crossing over the water was that it was the birth of the nation and the birth of Israel as as uh, as 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 Yahweh's firstborn and again uh, after that happens God tells them remember 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 and they to commemorate this this moment every year every year they to hold a whole feast around this particular moment and uh, and so fast forward then to the time of Jesus where he he now begins to reveal himself as the Passover lamb. And so in what had happened over the years is that the rabbis and sages had added additional elements to the Passover service or the Passover tables. Uh, it, it's often known as the Seder. And uh, the Seder or the Seder, which actually means a service. It means kind of like the liturgy around uh, that particular meal. And so along the, uh, along the way, uh, rabbis added additional things to help kind of enrich and to help Israel remember this momentous occasion. And uh, so one of the things that had been added to that was uh, four cups of wine and, uh, and, and then additional elements. But I, I just want to kind of zone in on these four cups of wine. Uh, funnily enough, these four cups of wine were made up uh, of, of both wine and water. It was actually a, a warm drink, a mix of wine and, and water. And so these cups were instituted by the rabbis to point to those four I will statements of Exodus 6. Those statements of, I will call you out, I will rescue you, I will redeem you, and I will make you. And so they became these four cups, the first cup being the, the cup of sanctification for the statement of, I will call you out. The second cup, the cup of deliverance for the statement of I will rescue you. Uh, then there's the cup of redemption for the statement I will redeem you. And then the cup of praise for the statement I will make you my people and, you, and, and I will be your God. And uh, so the crazy thing, what I love about this actually, is that the Lord, that, that men added these things, because these things weren't actually commanded in scripture but men added these things along the way but then god comes and he partners with what men had added which always just just blows my mind you know that god could partner with stuff that we make and create and he weaves you know his story into ours and it, it's just man it, it's just such a beautiful like picture of incarnation, you know, kind of like the two worlds coming together and, and working together beautifully. And so, uh, so it, then in, in, in Matthew 26, I'll read from, from, from that, uh, that account, uh, Matthew's uh, account of uh, the Passover. 
Um, where are thou? There we are. I'm going to read for Matthew uh, 26, 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it and gave it to the, blessing it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I'll pause there. And so again, this is unleavened bread. It's uh, in, in uh, it, traditionally it's known as, it's, as a matzo. And uh, it's uh, again, it's like this thin bread. I wish I had a, a piece of matzo. But anyway, you can go to a shop, find it, and, and you can see what, what matzo looks like. And uh, it's just like this flat bread, and it's got little holes in it. It's perforated, and then, and then it's got, because of the way it's prepared also, it's got like these darkened stripes that go across it. And so Jesus now revealing himself as the Passover lamb, and he says, hey, listen, take eat. This is my body. And uh, so now he's saying, no, I am actually, this is my body. He's, he's personifying it. Um, and he's saying, hey, this is, this is my, my body. Uh, and, and, then he, and then he gives it the cup. And then so in, uh, in Luke's gospel, it actually says that it's after that they had eaten. And so it gives us a clue because the Seder, it, it has like an order of service. So it gives us a clue that actually the cup that he raises up to them, it's the cup of redemption that he, he begins to share with them. And, uh, and then he says, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant poured out uh, for the forgiveness of sins. And then so after the cup of redemption is taken, the, there's one cup that is outstanding, which is the cup of praise. And that's why then in verse 29, he says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. So then there's this outstanding cup that he doesn't partake of. And he says, I won't drink it until I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom, which is the cup of praise. But anyway, so. So we know that then Jesus is after this moment, he's taken away uh, and then he's handed over. He's judged. Uh, he's then beaten. He's, he's whipped. Uh, we all know how, how that goes. It's quite gruesome, right? And in that moment, he then becomes that bread of affliction. As that matzo, as he had said to the disciples, that this is my body. And so we know that then he is affected. And in Isaiah 43, uh, 53, we know it says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was chest, he was a chastised, or the chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And so again, if you, I would encourage you, get a piece of matzo, and then you'll actually see that everything that's described in Isaiah 53 is actually there on that matzo. Um, it, it, the holes that he was pierced, the stripes, you know, by his stripes, you see it on the bread and the way that it's prepared because he says that that was his literal, that was his body. Um, and then uh, we know then he was taken and then he was, uh, he, he was uh, hung on the cross. And in that moment, again, just like what had been experienced in, in, uh, in Egypt, you know, years back, thick darkness came over as, as Jesus hung on the cross, just like on the day of the original Passover. And in that moment, 
God's wrath began to bear down on him as he carried our sin. And he was then roasted by God's wrath, just like that Passover lamb that was to be roasted on the fire. And then he cried out to the Lord, uh, why have you forsaken me? And we know then he gave up his, his last breath in that moment. And as was customary in that day uh, to get people down from the cross, they would break their legs so that they would, uh, their lungs would collapse uh, and, uh, and then they would die instantly. And on that day, because it was a, a Sabbath that was about to happen because of the Passover, is that they had to get him down in a rush. And before they took him down, uh, they pierced his side. And we know that blood and water flowed from his side. Uh, again, blood and water always represents a new birth. Uh, it, uh, and we also know it was represented in that cup, in that the cup of redemption had warm water and wine. And again, as he had said, that that was the cup uh, that it represented his blood poured out for us. Um, and then we know that uh, they didn't end up breaking up. They see the soldiers saw the blood and water flowing from him. He was pronounced dead. And so they didn't end up breaking his bones, which was what was prophesied by the psalmist, that not a bone on his bone would be broken, but also just like that Passover lamb that was supposed to be eaten whole, not a, not a bone on it was to be broken. He fully represented that Passover, that Passover lamb. And so then we know that he was buried. Uh, and then on the third day, he, he was uh, raised to life. Uh, again, there's lots that can be said, say, uh, said, said about that. In Jewish culture, let me say, the Passover represents three feasts. So collectively, those three feasts are called the Passover feasts. So you have the actual Passover, which is the Passover meal. Directly uh, into that Passover meal is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then straight after the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the Feast of First Fruits. And so Jesus was uh, uh, executed on the day of Passover as the Passover lamb. He was buried on the day of unleavened bread. And remember, unleavened bread represents uh, a bread that's without sin, uh, without decay. And then Jesus was then actually raised to life on the feast of first fruits. Because as Paul teaches us, he's the firstborn among the dead. He is the first fruit of those that were born uh, from, from the dead or, or that were raised to life. And uh, anyway, lots can be said of that. So, so all these things coincide directly with the feast that God had told Israel to, to remember and to commemorate every, every single year. Um, so, so coming back, I guess, to this theme of, of Passover, how we approach this Passover. And, and particularly for me, the, the theme of remembrance is, is that this was supposed to be a feast that was celebrated every year. And when I say a feast, guys, it's a feast. It's like a whole party. You're supposed to like throw down like a solid party sponsored by the Lord. 
actually commanded by the Lord. <laughs> right? And, and basically, think about it in this way, where we have in our calendars these, these big moments, right? We have, I guess, you know, many, many big calendar moments are like Easter, right? People, people have holidays around that, gather families around that, or, or it might be like your nation's, uh, maybe like an Independence Day or something like that. In South Africa, we recently like celebrated Freedom Day. Um, or then you'll have like a Christmas and like kind of your calendar revolves around these moments. And so for Israel, the redeemed, their calendars revolved around these moments. And so they would kind of align everything around these things. People would budget for these things. Uh, people would set aside time for these things. Uh, they would actually have to travel and go on a pilgrimage to Israel, uh, no matter what nation they were in. To celebrate these these feasts, so you can imagine every year you're mindful of this big occasion, and so it would cause them to remember because it was a massive occasion. Um, and and so again, this was a, a a way or a means that Yahweh would cause them to train their hearts to remember what He had done for them as a people, um, and so. you have kind of these big moments of remembrance. But also then when Jesus speaks to his disciples, he says, do this, you know, as often as you meet in remembrance of me. And, and so whenever I see this, I see like these big moments where God says, do this, have this party, but also these, these daily or weekly reminders as we gather as believers to also remember so that we're constantly remembering what God has done. Um, and, and back to the, 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 the point of remembrance as well, it's such a key part of Scripture, which, which I think we miss, is that whenever God is asking us to do something or to be something, He causes us first to remember our deliverance so that our hearts would desire to follow in His way and not feel like entitled or or, or, or push back against what he's saying. But when we remember what God has done for us, it's logical for us to want to follow him and to follow his way. You know, in, in, uh, in Romans 12, which we often quote when we're talking about worship, Paul writes, I beseech you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so our, our, our ability to obey God or to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices hinges on our view of God's mercy. You know, and so when we have a correct view of God's mercy, when it's like, oh, Jesus, I see what you did. Okay, it's logical for me to then follow obediently wherever it is that you take me. But if I have a warped view of God's mercy, my heart is going to war against what God wants for me. But if I'm like, you know, completely enamored by God's, wild by God's mercy, then I'm going to be like, God, you're such a merciful God. Okay, whatever you want for me, uh, I, I'm going to do. And, uh, and so it, it, it's always preceded by God's mercy. In actual fact, would you read uh, Exodus 20, which has uh, what's known as uh, the Ten Commandments? In Hebrew, it's actually the ten words, not, not commandments. 
But, but in, uh, in the Hebrew Bible, the first commandment or the first word is, remember that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. It, it isn't, you shall not have any other God before me. It is remember, that is the first word that God speaks to them. That's the first thing they're called to, to do is to remember. And, and so, because when they remember, then they can you know, begin to train themselves not to have idols or not to uh, covet or, or all these other things that are spoken. And so it always begins with this simple theme of, uh, of, of remembrance. And so whenever we gather around the, the table, uh, I guess it, it, in, in closing, is, uh, is to remember, 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 remember. Remember where we come from. No matter how long we've been journeying with Jesus, no matter what he's done in and through us, is to remember that, that he started the journey. And that's why that statement is so, those four statements are so important because God says, I will call you out. I will uh, deliver you. I will redeem you. I will make. It's something that God started. It's a journey that God started. He's the one that pulled us out. Whether you responded to an altar call or whatever it is, you had a counter in, you know, by yourself in your room, it was something that God started. And so if it's something that he started, we need to take courage that he will complete it. That he will complete it. And so when we gather around the table, it's to remember that. Man, God started this journey. He will take us all the way. Uh, the second thing is to remember that this is a celebration. It's a celebration of life. It's a celebration of deliverance. Uh, it's a celebration of being brought out of slavery into, uh, into new life, into a journey of learning how to worship. So it needs to be a celebration. I know uh, sometimes, you know, we have moments of reflection and things like that, but all in all, we are supposed to be partying even in the midst of death and decay happening around us. And so though we may see a world uh, you know, that's upside down, when we gather at the table, we need to train our hearts to celebrate, regardless of what we're enduring around us, because it's supposed to be a feast. It's supposed to be a, a, a celebration. So, I would, so I, I've learned to encourage people is to do more than just the wafer and the, the wine. It's like when we gather, we must eat where possible. If we're gathering as a community, we must eat. We must, we must celebrate because we, we have something to celebrate. Um, and then the other thing is to remember is that it speaks of new birth. It, it, it was God birthing something new. And we have been uh, made new as new creations. And again, so it's something that, uh, that, that we're to, to, to celebrate. And so I think more so than the whole like reflecting is to, to actually uh, reflect before we get there. But when we get there, we celebrate. Uh, and Lord knows in this world, we need moments of celebration. And, uh, <laughs> and so this is supposed to be a moment where routinely as believers, not even just kind of when we gather on a Sunday or Saturday or whenever it is that you may fellowship. But man, if you see a believer, it's just to grab that person and just say, okay, 
let's just quickly have this meal and just celebrate. Because we all know, man, the mission field is tough. Uh, but, but this is all about training our hearts to remember, 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 um, no, matter, no matter what it is that is, uh, that is happening. And, uh, and so that is, yeah, I guess some of my thoughts around, around the Passover. Remember, remember, remember. Such great uh, basic thoughts, but really important thoughts from Langer there, helping us understand Jesus as the Passover lamb and the role of remembrance in the practice of communion. So I hope that that was helpful for you. Certainly was really, really helpful for me and I know for many of the people in the follower community. Um, As always, please like, subscribe, share, leave comments and reviews. These things really help the podcast. Uh, Next week, we get into the final episode of our communion series, where we talk about communion as a way to build a sense of expectation for the future that we're moving toward as followers of Jesus. So here's a little clip from that episode to give you a sense of what to look forward to. Hope to see you next week. This is why the early church is so powerful because every time they came around that meal and they broke bread daily in their homes, every time they were meeting and they were breaking this bread and they were drinking of this cup and they were remembering, man, something's on its way. There's a, there's a future hope to look forward to. So even if I have to be sewn into an animal skin today and catapulted over the walls of the Colosseum and martyred for my faith, I can, I can do that because these light and momentary afflictions are nothing compared to the eternal glory that it's on its way when the bridegroom comes to fetch the bride. That's all for this episode of the Follower Podcast. If you found it helpful or inspiring, please consider sharing it and leaving a review on your podcast platform to help us connect with more people around the world. If you would like to support the ministry of Follower with a monthly contribution or one-off donation, you can visit www.wearefollower.com forward slash support. And to say thank you, we'll send you a free copy of Live the Story, an ebook that helps you learn to share your faith with others. Until next time, may you follow Jesus to the depths of his heart as he helps you share his love wherever you go. From the ground beneath your feet to the very end of the earth.